0: GM. I'm Dan Roberts.
2: I'm Andrew Hayward.
0: And this is GM from Decrypt. All right, GM, GM, and welcome back. Co-host Andrew Hayward, what's up?
2: GM, thanks for having me. How are you?
0: Oh, I'm great. Uh, Great to have on Ryan Wyatt, and you are the guy to co-interview because You hosted a panel with Ryan at one of our intimate uh, Decrypt live events that was in Jackson Hole. And a lot has happened for Polygon in the, I guess, nearly a year since that panel.
2: Yeah, no kidding. Um, You know, when when I hosted that panel almost a year ago, we were talking about games and the use cases for NFTs and tokens. And now the whole thing around Polygon is brands, brands, brands. I mean, Reddit, Meta, Mm. Nike, Disney, they are just racking them up. Starbucks, too. Um, and they say they're, they're about more than just brands, but that's really been dominating the story for them right now.
0: Yeah. And that's so interesting to me. Like I just, man, I could talk about that specific aspect of it all day because, you know, me coming from before decrypt Yahoo finance, like, and this is probably true of any, you know, big, big, um, wall street finance websites and publications. They kind of still to this day, they, they mostly only want to cover crypto news if it converges with big, big publicly traded companies, you know, Fortune 500 companies, um, companies whose stock movements we can talk about. And here comes Polygon. And it's probably a surprise to many that Polygon is the one and suddenly racking up the partnerships with, you know, big companies. I mean, you said Reddit, Starbucks, Disney, Meta, DraftKings, a company I know very well and have covered closely. Uh, They're like on a winning streak. Now, of course, what the true kind of crypto DeFi, DGens and early OGs, maybe they'd roll their eyes at that. Like, well, we don't care. Those are the boomer com- or they don't get it, you know. But the dirty truth is we know in this in this crypto industry is like there are going to be winners and losers and some of the winners will be the big non-crypto native companies, even if they were late to the space, because you can be late if you make the right partnerships or pick the right horse.
2: Yeah, and if we are going to see mass adoption for crypto and NFTs and Web3 technology, it's not just going to come from the diehard degens. It's going to be through things like, rewards apps and, you know, accessible metaverse experiences, perhaps. So it really seems like a smart play that they have focused so much on bringing these brands. And, you know, I spoke to Ryan a couple months ago, and he really said it was like the secret sauce of his biz dev team, where they have the smart techie Web3 people, but they also have people that have worked in the Web2 world, that have worked with brands that understand the questions they're going to have, the trepidation they're going to have coming into this space. And, you know, it's just kind of like this merging together of, of both sides.
0: Yeah. I love that aspect of it. The, you know, onboarding the people who still have this uh, resistance to all things crypto. It's definitely happening. It's happening slowly, but picking up speed. But then, you know, an interruption is the FTX stuff it turned off a lot of people all over again. So it's all interesting. Uh, let's bring him on and and grill him. Ryan White of Polygon. Okay, Ryan Wyatt of Polygon GM. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. All right, let's start this way. What a year in 2022! And uh, in the past, sometimes I'd say, "What a year!" and we meant, "Wow, what a great year." But mostly for the industry, what a pretty terrible year, <laughs> uh, just like unequivocally across the board. Yeah. And you know, we can get into some of the meltdowns, bankruptcies, whatever. But um, interestingly for Polygon, it feels like it was actually a great year. Um, You know, you guys were maybe an exception to the rule. We named you our crypto project of the year at the end of the year, because in November and December, while everyone else was melting down, you guys announced kind of a string of great new partnerships. It was quite a coup. I mean, there was Reddit, Starbucks, Instagram. So talk to us a little bit about that, the year you had and, and now starting off 2023 in a, I guess we're still in a bear market.
1: Oh, uh, I mean, Dan, it was it was de- like it was wild for on a personal level for a lot of reasons, right? You know, I was um, I was at you know working the 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 web two world. I, I like loved my previous job running gaming at YouTube was awesome and going into it, you know, I went in and it was couldn't be a better time at that moment to join. Like, you know, this the sky was the limit. Everybody was riding free and high, and I'm like, this is great, you know. And then literally like a week after, so I've been at Polygon a year now. Um, a year, like pretty much to the date and then dude, it just, you know, all of these things happened. And so for my first year in the space, um, I, you know, I come out of it. I, I, we had a great year. I love it. Um, there's been a lot of learnings to say the least. Um, but yeah, it was, it was certainly a wild year and it was fun for, you know, the team to, to kind of keep connecting the dots and, and they did a great job of, you know, onboarding partners and certainly was a good and much needed bright spot for all of us to kind of keep going, and so we have a lot of uh, enthusiasm still to this day. But what a year! It was an understatement. Um, it's been fun to talk to OGs who have been here, you know, much longer than me, and them still be like, "This was uh, this one was pretty brutal." <laughs> yeah. So uh, I hopefully I earned uh, some scars uh, after this one, uh, after the after year one.
2: So Ryan, you have quite a public history before crypto. Uh, you know, I realized that. I have this book from a few years ago that you co-wrote yes. <laughs> about optic gaming and esports. Um, I used to be on the esports beat. Um, I'd love you to talk a bit about you know your past at esports and gaming and what ultimately led you to the crypto industry.
1: Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, like so basically, you know, I played games competitively in college, and when I was in college, um, I was trying to figure out how to work in the games industry and what I wanted to do next. And so we're uh, major league gaming is where everybody was competing. And so I got a job with that company. Um, and this was wild because, of, you know, this very you know, e-sports tournaments and hotel ballrooms This is 2006, 2007. It's, you know, very, very interesting time. And I loved it. I I, I love sports. I love gaming. It, e-sports came very natural to me. And so this idea of how do you bring this to more people for people to watch? And you just kind of believe there's other people out to you, out there that want to do it, too got me into effectively the creator economy because it started with this idea of broadcasting eSports tournaments <clears throat> and then it turned into just you know players uploading gameplay and clips and live streams and that ultimately led me to YouTube. Um, and so you know there's a lot of similarities between YouTube and polygon in the sense of there's it's a platform and you're helping people on board onto it right um, Here it's creators and all types uploading videos, gaming videos or whatever right all the way to now games and projects being built. And so for me, I I really got in just simply the idea of digital ownership, right? This idea that we're going to keep spending more money on digital items that people care deeply about these experiences. These are, they spend a lot of money, they care about them deeply, and they're going to want more autonomy and ownership over these things. And so that's where I was like, got it. I looked at basically NFTs and blockchain immediately as like an internet product feature and I was immediately sold. Right. Just like I think it's there's an infinite amount of things that can be done in the space on this. Um, and that's what made me jump in with such conviction, because I didn't have, you know, now you really learn like now I've been in the space. You re- you understand the fundamentals of why a lot of people are very spirited about crypto from like an economic standpoint. And like you really I had zero interest in that. Right. Like that is not why I cared about it. You get in this space, you have to care about it because it is like a it, it is it is a fundamental and instrumental part of how the wheel works. Uh, but I, this was just like the way that I entered was through this this kind of um, interest. Spirited is a nice word for it. For I'm how go- passionate see, some go- of those eight folks years at Google teaches you a little bit about PR training, and spirited is a good word to use.
2: Yes. Uh, you know, so why Polygon? Of out of all the opportunities ahead of you, I must. I'm sure you must have had plenty of opportunities, not only in crypto, but in gaming, and esports, and tech anywhere. Why Polygon?
1: Yes, uh, it's a great question. Uh, You know, I spent a lot of time thinking about this. So a couple things. One, I I didn't want to be just gaming. I wanted to like expand outside of gaming and see how all of these, this world is like very interconnected, Um, you know, so that, that part I I felt pretty strongly about. And for me, it was, look, there's already a, um, there's already a bet that you're making in the space when you come in on what's going to work, what's not going to work. And so for me, it was like Ethereum already had developers and users on it, right? You know, and that was like a check. And it was not a, nothing against the L1s, you know, Solana had good, you know, it you know, was gaining good traction, Avalanche as well too. But it was just like that, that was already a certain thing that for Ethereum, so then you kind of looked at scaling solutions and where there's different opportunities to to, to gel. And I loved what Polygon had done with the zk acquisitions. You know, they really had this like long term uh, philosophy on how the protocol was going to scale. And I also felt you know where I could add value is kind of like helping with the scaling and helping add some of the like maybe the non Web three native elements into Polygon to make it more multifaceted. And so I just really clicked with Sandeep and the team because it felt like, you know, we were very complimentary of each other's skill sets and weaknesses, um, and it was, you know, it just felt right. I also liked, you know, um, I like the attitude of that team. It 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 is, you know, a, an underdog mentality. It is a a worth ethic and spirit towards like a vision in Web three that's very clear, and so. There was that kind of drew me in as well. So there was a lot, and and felt like this was a great opportunity for me to drive high impact in Web three on a on a you know a protocol contributor team.
0: There's something you said there, Ryan, that I liked. Uh, people are going to spend more and more on digital items. It's going to be an uphill battle for some folks. It's going to take a while for some of them, right? I mean, we talk about this a lot, not just on the podcast, but you know, in all of our coverage. All of Andrew's great writing about the rise of NFTs and the different interesting use cases for NFTs there are folks i'm not just talking about the people who sort of have a knee jerk reaction against the idea of nfts and those people are out there and they're vocal but there's even people who it's it's not necessarily that they feel any type of way about nfts but you know the ux is such that we're still so early it's still so high friction you know i poor andrew has heard this spiel already but i love to use this example of like a regular normie friend asked me okay i'm ready to buy an nft you know so what do i do it's like well got to go to an exchange you got to buy some eth got to send that ETH to your, you know, MetaMask wallet or whichever wallet you choose. Or, you know, then you got to go to this site, by the way, or Matic. I mean, whatever, yep. whatever token it is, you got to go to an NFT marketplace. You got, sometimes you have to convert it. It might have to be converted to wrapped ETH. It's just too many things. So, yeah. you know, the, the onboarding there is going to have to get dramatically
1: easier in the next few years, right? For adoption to. to oh my gosh. So the user journey is a nightmare. Yeah. It's a nightmare. It's now I will say a couple of things, right? Um, it's gotten drastically better in a year. Like I, you know, you I, even like looking at Polygon as an example, right? It's just you know having like Magic Eden and One Planet and Phantom the Wallet, and like you know you have more onboarding, and then you really are hoping that the Magic Edens and the Phantoms of the world, like we start to abstract away the crypto part of it more, right. To make it a more frictionless journey. And I think all of that stuff will happen. I'm pretty optimistic that that will happen. And there's a lot of bright and talented folks working on it. That will make that happen. But yeah, it is, it is. And even that's why Starbucks Odyssey and stuff is interesting. You know, we kind of always joke about it, but we really mean it too. Success at Polygon is no one talks about Polygon because it's just, you know, when you go to play Call of Duty, for example, you're not like, hey, it's Call of Duty like uh, Warzone on Google Cloud or AWS because I'm, if it's on cloud, I'm not playing. I'm not playing Warzone. You know, like that's not gonna happen. You're gonna come in, you're gonna play Warzone, you're gonna buy your guns and stuff, you're gonna be able to trade them and sell them and buy cosmetics, and artists are gonna be able to mint their own, you know, AK 47 skin that are gonna drop, and you're just gonna buy like Activision tokens like you already do to buy it. Now it's gonna actually have on ramps into crypto. You're gonna use your credit card, you'll be able to buy it. It's like boom, all that's going to happen. Um, and so for me, it is a matter of time. And I, I actually don't think it's it's, you know. It'll be ready by the time we see mass adoption Web three games really out in a couple of years. The 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 friction that you see today, I think, will largely be gone. Mm. Not yeah, entirely, but gamers are like the most savvy tech group, so they'll be the earliest adopters. So you just got to give them a reason to go play a game. And none of these are right. Like I'm, you know, it's not. It's. It's not there right now. It's like you right. went from like version one of, you know, like 98% scammy play to earn games, but cool concept around economies and like digital ownership. So now you're going to get the second wave of just like people, like NFT memberships to, you know, Pirate Nations, ex-founders of Farmville and every transaction that you do, like you craft something, it's unchained, right? And we're I, I don't know if either one of these are going to be right, but we're going to learn a lot over the next year or two on how you start to make really interesting blockchain based games.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's it's going to be, I mean, we could go down a rabbit hole and kill all our, all our time here, but I, yeah. I do think it's going to take just not overplaying and overstressing the idea that it's crypto and it's NFTs, like just make it seamless. And people are yes. already used to having digital items. I mean, you nailed it. If anything, it's almost been, it's already been too much marketing and public information when gaming companies have done it. Just say, here's a cool new digital item we've added
1: to the game. And people go, oh, cool. I can Look own this jacket. It, right? like, like, don't tell them digital- it's a token. Yeah, digital collectibles and Reddit. Reddit was like, "Yo, screw NFTs," but they were like, "What is this digital collectible thing? I'm interested. Tell me right. more." Right, and so mm-hmm. that's right though. Nobody, can, we're we're it's us like we're just kind of like self fulfilling nerds that are in this very small group that are trying to push this thing forward that are using this, but nobody's gonna care about a lot of these things. You know, mm-hmm. even with email and so forth, you're not talking about like the different protocol mechanisms for delivery of email and all of this, right? So I'm excited. We'll get there much faster. Than the internet, like we compare too often the internet because I'm like, the the this is like a, a feature set of a of expansion of the internet. It's not the new internet in my mind. I think it like taps in like a product feature, like I said. Um, mm-hmm. and that all the capital and the people that are in here in this space are working, like will will this will be an expedited process. I still think it's like we're talking a decade though.
0: Let's uh, talk a little bit about sports and crypto. I want to push you on that, you know, Andrew. Uh, had that book with your name on it and the esports background. I mean, yeah. The, the irony is some big crypto exchanges. Gee, we know which ones uh, went big on spending to do marketing in the pro sports world. Yeah. Uh, over the past two years, you know, FTX sponsoring yeah, yeah. an esports team. Uh, you know, slapping its name on the Miami Heat arena, but not just FTX. Coinbase with the Super Bowl ads. It all did. Um, yeah,
1: and Formula One was tattooed yeah. with crypto
0: projects. Yeah. Yeah. So, and of course, now that there's been, you know, a little bit of a meltdown or a lot of bit of a meltdown, you know, you have the, the knee jerk people saying like, oh, stay away. And, and I'm sure it's going to diminish the opportunity for crypto companies in sports for a while because leagues are probably going to be pretty reticent now. But what, what is your approach at, at Polygon to that type of marketing?
1: I mean, um, look, I think um, a lot of it is it's a little too kind of self-serving in some instances. Um, I also think, look, there's uh, marketing is really important in some elements, but we have a long way to go for these products to speak for themselves before we start pushing high budget marketing campaigns. Um, There's a little bit of a difference between Coinbase trying to get users to adopt it via QR code versus like overly tattooing kind of the brands everywhere. I think awareness isn't a bad thing, right? And like bringing visibility into those sectors isn't a bad thing, but you have to, there's got to be a lot of tact there. And so much of it was either, it's like buying, trading, crypto exchange oriented, which then people that like, that's all they think of the space, right? There's no nuance to the conversation, or there's no like you have a, a a protocol that does it you know on a formula 1 race car and it's like dude no one's if we put just like a matic logo on you know lewis hamilton's car like no one's going to know what the what the hell that well okay like exactly polygon, right. right so for me i'm like it just doesn't it doesn't embrace or capture the spirit of were are this protocol that wants to be silent in the background that you build on. It's like very, it's very like, you know, uh, it's a very, uh, a contradictory statement. So that's, that's the take on the marketing element as it speaks for Polygon, but there's a time and a place to go big. Right. I think like, I actually don't, I think Coinbase wasn't all bad. Now maybe a Super Bowl and all that. I don't know. Right. But I, I think there's a time and a place to, to go big when you feel like you're confident in the product that you have and you want more users in it. Um, but yeah, it's it's it got a little gross, didn't it? And I think it's not, I think it's not terribly bad that it pulled back as hard as it did, and maybe this time we'll like calibrate the right the right approach here.
2: Uh, you know, we we touched on esports a bit there. Esports and crypto have sort of grown in parallel. You know, both have these young tech savvy users. We saw a lot of money flow from crypto into esports teams and leagues. Yeah, but a lot of that was led by FTX. Yep. Are we still going to see that kind of overlap or synergy in a post FTX world for esports?
1: It's a good question. You know, I actually thought the FTX sponsorship into TSM was really smart. Like the arena, no, you know, like the Tom Brady stuff, maybe a little much, but I liked the I liked the TSM move there. Um obviously it's really unfortunate what FTX turned out to be, but this idea of leveraging a like a prominent esports organization that covered a lot of different games uh that's cool and that's a user audience that starts to make sense because there is already like in my mind in some areas uh product market fit for tech savvy gamers and esports consumers viewers tend to skew being more tech savvy as well so like i can i can rationalize like that sponsorship more than i can think of like you know the miami heat representing it right you know that that to me i'm like what are we connecting here um, like getting people to trade, right? So I like the esports e- element there. We're just a long way though from like web three games being this cornerstone piece of you know how many gamers are playing and participating. My kind of philosophy on a lot of the web three games in the next five years is you don't out of the total addressable market of people playing games, it actually represents a small subset. It starts to become a bigger piece of the revenue. And like that's where eyeballs start. You know, like people's like their interest becomes peaked because it's like, oh, it's eight percent of all gamers do anything like Web three games, but it's thirty percent revenue in some example in the future or something like that. I think that's where you start to see a shift. But I don't, I don't hate the esports sponsorship, and I think it's a little bit different. But no matter what, it's very clear that like FTX has has put all brands in a position where they need to reevaluate how they look at the category. And again. Not great, not great how it all happened, but there's also a silver lining in that. I think people should be thoughtful about what brands they're aligning with uh, in Web3.
2: Yeah, you know, shifting gears a little bit here, speaking of brands, you know, Polygon has been associated with big brands over the last few months. You've uh, inked partnerships or helped bring in Starbucks, Meta, Reddit, Disney, DraftKings, Nike, all sorts of companies. Why do you think they're choosing Polygon over another, you know, like a layer one platform or even the Ethereum mainnet? Yeah, it's
1: it's so I actually think some some order of operations of how I described coming to Polygon is actually relevant here. I think a lot of the big brands we spoke to, um, varying degrees of like what they already have planned, right? Starbucks, very, very like they're like, we know exactly what we're doing, right? Um, we have a plan, we already have Web3 experts, like we built the reward, like same people that like built the rewards program. So kind of was like, word okay like how can we help you scenario working with them right um but a lot of the decisions i think largely have stemmed from this idea that it's everyone's already on ethereum there's already users and developers there and so again i don't think it's a why why not uh l1s but it's it's just if we have to check this box of where people are it's already kind of guaranteed to be checked And so we had a couple of things working for us, I think in the early days, we had a team that had a hybrid of Web2, exec background, Web3 nativeness, so we could really help them end to end on these conversations. Like we knew exactly how a Fortune 500 company wanted to be brought along on an experience that was very new to them and that they were rightfully nervous, nervous that it doesn't succeed, nervous that they are inauthentic, you know, like want to do it right, a lot of pressure. So they had this, like, I think we provide a, a group that was able to give them a lot of confidence Two, because it's pre merged on some of this stuff. We had a great carbon narrative. I think the carbon we've like as a community, we've squashed that now, but at that time it was a very positive thing for us because it gas costs were low. Like the carbon footprint was lower. We, we basically set off, you know, 90% of the carbon emissions was coming from the ETH bridging part of it. So like we offset those carbons with credits and so forth, but yada, yada. And so I think there was all that was working out for us.
2: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free
1: job on linkedin.com people today. Was, you know, joking. It was like, oh my gosh, it's like polygons, like boom, 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 boom. Every couple of weeks we were hitting something. I think that was like in the summer, some of this work really culminated where oh, it was like, you're already talking to X, Y, and Z. They're already building, like Facebook already chose you for minting and display and Starbucks is doing this thing with you and so forth that we had really meaningful network effects and a snowball effect because it took the guesswork out for a lot of these companies. So it's like, oh, if Starbucks and these people are building on and Reddit and Meta and all of them, then like this is, we should give this one a real look. And then it was easy to kind of convert people to the point where you look at like a Nike partnership. They had our, they're like, we're building a Poly- Polygon, we're going on Polygon. Uh, do you, you know, like, what can we do to work together? Where it's like, there's not a, they can go do whatever they want. There's not a formal, like, partnership there, but they launched on, you know, Polygon, right? And I think that speaks to that part. And people have benefited, different protocols have benefited from network effects in different ways. Like, Solana really benefited from, like, PFP culture, network effects. Obviously, ETH has, you know, done its its right, too. And so I think this kind of became, it was new because everything in Web3 is still new. This was kind of our this was our network effects moment. And a year where PFP stuff really got quiet, things calmed down a little bit there. Games were kind of still like, what's happening? And we have a lot of games, like we had DeFi, but it, it just like it was just like our moment with the these these Fortune 500 companies. And it was great. And I think it's really good for the space.
2: Yeah, we spoke a couple months about this uh, whole brand barrage and you attributed it in part to this sort of secret sauce of your team, which you were just talking about. Um, do you see other blockchains like Solana and Avalanche taking a similar kind of approach in the future and trying to kind of recreate that magic. Yeah, they should. I think of the, I think of the, like the way that we're, we're set up right now
1: is, is, uh, is unique in a moment of time right now. Like I think over the next 18 months, you're going to see the protocol teams across the board, stack up business partnerships, because they're going to have to service developers. They're going to have to work with developers that's what you want, right? You are you want the protocol to be successful. So you have to invest time, money, resources, energy into the ecosystem. You can do that in a variety of ways. Pick your poison, ecosystem funds, grants, one-time deals, you know, whatever it is, right? But like you've got to do something. You can't just be idle and think that if you if if you just like launch this thing, people will come. So I do think people will set up organization like their organization uh and the contributor groups to be more reflective of this. And that's why I think. We need to like seize the moment, not to be like cheesy, but I think time is of the essence for us to keep rolling on this stuff. So there's a lot of we got to keep it going. So why it was good to start with Mastercard at the beginning of the year, helping uh, you know musicians and artists on board, and like you know, I, I we there once you deliver, there's a lot of pressure to keep them going like this.
0: Yeah, it's interesting too to you know on our end of things to wait and see which ones bear fruit because like frankly, I mean, totally. as you guys know, not all of these are going to be. You know, okay, Reddit's doing them, Starbucks is doing something, Instagram's gonna let people sell NFTs directly on Instagram. That seemed at the time like a really big announcement. Well, let's see over the
1: next two years,
0: because they're not all gonna, you know, get adoption.
1: Oh, Dan, I like wholeheartedly (sighs) agree. I think this is like the the, this is the era we're in now, right? Mm. Like we I don't know. Loyalty and rewards could be truly the most like great web three use case that you could possibly think about. And maybe it's Starbucks that does it because of their background. Maybe it's another team. Maybe it's a Web 2 team. Maybe it's a Web 3 Navy team. I don't know. Yeah. I'm excited for the adventure and the journey. I think it's why we need to like, we need to have our hands around all kinds of different things from like the small projects that could be the future ones to the big ones. Because um, we don't know. I, I don't have a crystal ball. I have, I, my guess is as good as anybody else's on what's going to work or not work. Um, that's why it is fun to to, to kind of go down all these different rabbit holes of different opportunities. So we'll see. And you're right. I do think it's, to your point, I think it's like years. It's kind of like working in yeah. VC. You know, you like place a lot of bets. You don't even know if you're good or not for like four or five years, right? Uh, there's some right.
2: similarities there.
0: Um, when we talk about how to get these different big partners on board, it's kind of a good segue to, to ask about like the the decentralization ideal in yeah. crypto, right? I mean. You know, when you guys approach these brands, like it's human beings at the end of the day who are in the room or or on Zoom taking the meetings. Um, You guys also, I think, benefited from like Mark Cuban was a big vocal proponent of Matic early on. You know, it's it's people. But then in crypto, you know, and maybe there's a split in these two camps that's increasing lately, but there's so much noise and um, concern over like how decentralized everything is. Like, you know, this network has this many validators and that's not as many as this one. Meanwhile... Polygon's only been around since 2017, 2018. Um, You know, how do you guys think about that and reconcile that? Because you want to say, you know, we're progressively decentralizing, but everything still has the people who are the face of the thing. I mean, even Ethereum, like it's still, it's Vitalik's thing. And Solana, it's Anatoly and Raj, and everything has the people who are first associated with it
1: no so it's i actually think the people that are super outspoken are very very important to the space because if you think about really what needs to get done here like to, this is it is a spectrum and it has to happen over time right and it has to happen at the right speed the right pace but like the end state has to be a protocol that needs no contributor group it is running everything that you need tools developers users ecosystem the whole thing we're just like that is that's if we don't do that you're just kind of recreating like faux Google, faux AWS, right? Um, and so then what the, what the hell's the point, right? Truly, like what are, we, what are we really? It's like maddening. What are you really doing? So I think the end game, that's got to be the North Star. That's got to be abundantly clear from everybody that success means that there's like literally nothing for, for me to help with anymore, right? Like I, it's like there's, you know, because you're building and you're like, yeah, I'm going to just go like make a game and I'm going to talk to Stardust and, and I'm going to use the Phantom Wallet right so it's, it's like, like kill what my job you? like ryan you're help worthless. me kill my own job <laughs> yeah exactly exactly that is success right and i always say that to everybody i'm like when when we're no longer needed is what that's that's great and i and i i don't know what the time frame is on that you know i was obviously more bullish on that time frame like three months ago um but i i think that's the end game and we have to just like uh, aim for that so i actually see this like You start at this bigger pie, and then you you need to do less and less each year. So uh, unlike all of these traditional like tech companies, you're like, oh, we're starting here, and we're going to build to like two thousand people one day, right? And like success is fifty thousand people. We're going to actually. Progressively be a smaller and smaller contributor group. People are going to go start their own companies on Polygon. They're going to go work for big companies that are operating on Polygon. You know, like that's going to be great to graduate people out of the system. It just requires the people that come into, like when you go work for a contributing group, like you have to think way differently that your time here is finite actually. Um, no matter whether you like it or not. And it is, and you're going to be a part of something that no, no one's ever done, right? You're going to spin out this thing that can operate autonomously. Um, so you're signing up for that, right? And so that's different. Some people might not want that out of their career. They might want to go work at the next place. They can work 10 or 15 years. To me, then I'm like, go go to all these wonderful companies building on top of Polygon, right? Like they're going to be here forever, right? Um, and so that's how I think about it. We have a long way to go. There's things that like, you know, I think the team is working on in general to make sure of it, but that's the end, the end game. Because yeah, of course, like we're when we go out and do X partnership, right? Uh, you know, you're you're kind of doing it on behalf of the community, right? And so this is where it needs to go. And then I think you can have DAO contributions or some form of that, where that continues to be like you have other contributor groups, but we should push towards fragmented contributor groups to like effectively low or none to them. You know, I don't know how the community wants to look at it in eight or nine years or whatever that, you know, that course of time needs to run. But that's, if if you're asking like what my personal perspective is on a future state, like that's kind of what success looks like.
2: We just saw a little bit of a reorganization of the Polygon structure and even your role in it uh, with Polygon Studios shifting into Polygon Labs, uh, your role changed from CEO to president. There's also yep. the Polygon Foundation in the mix. Can you explain kind of how this all works together and, and how it affects your role?
1: Yeah. So basically, we had a lot of separate teams that were kind of operating autonomously, like DeFi team, the enterprise team. Studios was like gaming NFT metaverse. So it was like a bigger part of it, but all these different groups. And the problem was when you have all these separate groups, you have like separate legal people, finance, right? Because you're you're obviously all these different groups. And it creates like a lot of inefficiencies and redundancies for a lot of reasons. It creates, you know, like there's there's no learnings, there's no information sharing. You have partners that are not so easily defined by one vertical that are like, oh, I got to go meet like a whole nother company to go talk about like the DeFi aspect. And, you know, can you do an introduction? So we had this thing where like people would, you know, be talking to 30 different people at Polygon, you know, on one thing, right? So it created a lot of inefficiencies. Um, And so effectively what we decided to do, um, I don't know, like July August that we just announced is like start to pull everybody under one team. How do you look at this organization? Is like one contributing group, uh, you know, that's that's trying to advance the the Polygon protocol, and that's why we did it. And and honestly, look, we took very much a page out of you know Avalanche and Solana. I think have done you know these you know pretty well and effectively. And so yeah, we looked at it. This idea of like how do we have more. Um, more just alignment so that we can work more efficiently as a group, as a contributing group. So that's what happened. Um, and so, yeah, for me, I love it because it expanded from, again, just gaming NFT, metaverse stuff to now touching all of these different businesses, which is great. You know, half of it, I have no idea and I'm learning and that's a fun part of the job. The other half, I have, you know, some strong opinions and we got a great team. So getting to learn from all these wonderful people that work at Polygon. So, yeah, I love it. I love it. It was fun for me to keep taking on more in web three too
0: let's talk a little bit. you know you referenced uh, Ryan in some of these other topics we were hitting Ethereum and Solana, and there's Avalanche. How do you guys think of competing with other networks and chains? I mean, is it just clearly a, a multi chain future I mean you're saying it's exciting because all these big companies are going to build on polygon. If we go ask some of the other guys, they say oh there's also big companies building on our thing, yeah, so for a while it was like, and I, I think even at decrypt we 've gotten away from this, but everything other than you know, Ethereum was like Ethereum killer, and you know the question. That's how things were framed, and now it's like, well, you know, multiple chains can probably coexist. I don't know if like thirty of them can, but yeah. certainly at least quite a few can succeed.
1: Yeah. So there's a there's a couple of things in there. I think one. If it's just one or two protocols, that that is terrible for the space, right? Like, can we just agree? Like, the, again, going back to the spirit of the space, you're you we we need. I don't know what the right number is. I don't. I agree. It's it's not like thirty, but it's not two, right? Um, but something in there. So from that, I think it's really good for the ecosystem to have them, um, for a variety of reasons. When I think about compet, well, one, I I'm actually like very competitive, but right now the space is like fragile and nascent, and so I don't know that. Competition is like my primary attribute that I really highlight. Versus when I'm at like YouTube competing with Amazon, Twitch or TikTok, right? A little bit different. Right now, I'm like we're kind of fragile. So my personal opinion is, you, you know, you don't have to be buddy buddy, but I kind of like the idea of being relatively peaceful with everybody because of that. And that'll change over time, and I think actually competition is good for a lot of people, creators, developers, right? It's good. It's good for the ecosystem. But I, I tend to like step back a little bit on that now. When I actually think of people that, you know, it's, it's really, it's ETH scaling solutions. So it's not, I don't think, I think all L1s is kind of its own like narrative and direction all together, right? And there, there's reasons why you would or wouldn't build there, deploy a project there, whatever the case is, right? Um, And not really my kind of place to even comment on it. But I think for us, we're an ETH scaling solution, right? Like that's what we're, we're focused on. And so when I think about immediate competitors, you know, it's those that are in this world of, of of scaling ETH, but I still I still think of it very lightly, man. Because I I think we're a multi chain world, and I think there's going to be a lot of fluidity across these protocols, um, and that that will be everyone that works in this space. I think largely, you know, if you actually look at the developers, I think like that was that largely reflects their sentiment. Where you see like the like a little bit of the maximalism is the nft traders or the community folks or like bag holders and stuff like that and that's fine like they're cool it's good vibrant loud they have like a team flag that's that's fine but i think this industry should learn that we got to stop doing that shit right um like we got like you know like like sam ftx one should have hit close to home for a lot of people so i would like to just not put people and companies on pedestals and just like let them like run the course of things so that's my take on it yeah
2: You know, on the topic of uh, competition between chains, we recently saw that D-Labs announced that Utes, uh, one of the most popular Solana NFT projects, is going to bridge over to Polygon and that Polygon Labs provided a $3 million grant to kind of help facilitate their operations. Can you talk a bit about the process of, you know, making that happen and and why you were looking to other chains to try and bring their projects to Polygon?
1: (laughs) Yeah, a couple of things. So I think we have this in general, this playbook of when you want to invest capital is when it's in like a category to like really expand and kind of grow uh, the protocol. So like a Starbucks loyalty and rewards, like boom, that's going to be your bet there. When we came back around after a year in review, one area that we're just like really, we're really underperforming in, as I think about it, we're doing well in gaming, we're doing good in DeFi, we're doing good in the Fortune 500 enterprise side not good on the PFP side, right? And PFP side is a creator community, right? Like it is literally creators. And I know this inside and out from like time with YouTube. And so the way that you have to think about it is fundamentally different. So when you think about that investment into Frank and, and the team, right? Yeah, it's a, you're bridging youths over, sure. But you, didn't, you don't pay $3 million to bridge a PFP project over. That's like that, it would be incredibly silly. So like what you're, what you're really getting there is you're getting a launch pad from those guys that are gonna help other people incubate PFP projects on Polygon. So who is that good for? People that wanna launch projects on Polygon, right? Um, and so like that's why you're doing it and you're kickstarting what you need, and you need a kickstart because we're behind. Solana does this better, ETH does this better. Like, I don't who's are no one's gonna argue with that, including me. And so what do you do? You've got to get a creator community going. You can't buy a creator community either, right? Like this isn't like, oh, we're going to have this like PMP project we paid for. It's like, look, you know, it's, you're going to cultivate a whole movement of creator projects because you have these guys who know how to do it. I think it's a very unique skill set to be a creator, whether you're a YouTuber, a Twitch streamer, a TikToker, uh, or, you know, you're creating NFT projects that succeed. Um, and so, yeah, that was the idea behind it. I'm excited for it. Um, I think it's cool. We're not going to go out and like be poaching PFP projects. We did do like with even um, uh, like Luna and Terra situation. We some of our great PFP projects were actually Terra Luna ones. A little bit different because that actually they completely went away. But in general, this is not something that we want to do. But um, I love that partnership. I'm ex- actually really excited for the creator community when that thing rolls out. I get it feels antagonistic to Solana. Like we're going to lose deals to Solana and stuff is going to go over there too and, and, and like poaching. And so I, I appreciate the like the frustration or the fire that comes from the community. I do think long term, this, this will prove to be like a, a pro net thing for creators across the board, even if it does feel a little antagonistic. Solana is going to be fine. They got a great vibrant community there. They've got not, not too worried. I think it all, it all works out.
2: You know, I think how some critics have framed it is that they've said that Polygon is paying for NFT culture because they haven't grown enough of it organically with this move. What's yeah, your sure. take on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, basically that's like the strategy is you are, you are buying, a you know, basically a project that's going to help jumpstart other projects. And like, yeah, if you don't have any reputation in the space, you go get people that do, right? Um, and so whether you hire them, you know, like you hire, it's like, there's a lot of ways you can cut it. We could just go hire really like reputable people that come from the space and want to build it. You do that anywhere. You want to go win in gaming, you go hire great gaming execs. So yeah, I mean, that's, we. they're just not, they don't work at Polygon, but they're going to help Polygon projects. So that's how I look at it. Um, You can't, now the, the thing, so I, I don't actually disagree with that statement. Now to maintain and grow a culture and actually make it become vibrant and be something big, that has to take place in you and you cannot buy that. Like there's not a price on that. That has to organically grow. Me, I think about it as like you know when you have like the Kindle to like launch the fire and get the fire going. It's like a fire log. That's what we threw on um our NFT fire with that that partnership. But yeah, fire's got to grow. You're gonna still have to chop some wood and put it up there. It's, it's interesting, and I uh, we
0: always appreciate the candor when I'm thinking about these big companies and the different plays they're doing in partnerships. It just reminds me at our last Camp Decrypt event, and Ryan, you were at our one in Jackson Hole. Yep. Um, more recently, we had one in Napa, and this kind of whole debate or agita erupted that was interesting. Specifically, it was about Apple, but you could sub in any big tech giant. And the fear, of course, is that you know these kind of true crypto Web three DGEN types are going to build. Um, niche tools and crypto native platforms and projects. And then the big dogs who are going to sit on the sidelines, stay away, stay away, stay away until it looks safe enough to jump into this pool in a big way. When they finally decide, okay, we want in, they'll kind of crush all the little guys. Like they'll be late, but it's never too late when you're a Salesforce, a Google, an Apple, a Meta. Yeah, it is. What, What do you think about
1: that? I think it's a ridiculous take to be honest with you. I think actually some of the best projects that come out of web3 will be from the like native web3 builders. Now like obviously I'm a believer in bringing, you know, I don't we, we should be open to everybody building. But like look at Google, you know, Stadia, cloud streaming, right? Mm. You know, you, they spend a ton of money on that. They were they're late to gaming. You can't just like come in and drop you know, billions of dollars and take it over. Will some of them enter in the space and be successful? Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Will some of them enter and drop a lot of money and fail? Absolutely. So for, I I think it's just a, it's a, like my thing is why it's ridiculous is I think we'll have so many incredible Web3 native projects that become huge hits. And we will have some Fortune 500 companies across different categories in consumer that will also have hits and we'll see some like epic failures that we learn from kind of what you were talking about, Dan, it's like in the next couple of years, we obviously have our slate of all these big partnerships and others will happen in other places. And we're all going to evaluate what works. And uh, yeah, it's not like these fortune 500 companies are going to come in and be like 10 out of 10, you know? So I'm, I'm, bol- I'm bullish on web three developers, because we have that hundred million dollar ecosystem fund actually very much for the spirit of this, right? It is, out of our fundraise that we did, 100 million of it went into a ecosystem fund to to, to invest in projects building on Polygon. And I, you know, yeah, of course, like all VC and investment, there will be a lot that don't work. They'll be part of the builders. They might their project might fail, but they'll go into another project and learn and, and do something there, right? You have no idea, but there will be. I have no doubt. Like even even as going as far as like. Is the next Amazon already out there, or like that person? You know, like a Jeff Bezos out there? That feels yucky to that, but you get the idea. The next Jeff oh. Bezos is out in Web three. Watch out, he's coming. <laughs> Hopefully, he's building on Polygon.
2: Yeah, uh, let's let's end on this. Just a fun question. Um, you wrote in your esports book, the Optic Gaming book from years ago, that your dream one day was to run a company. Is Polygon living up to the dream?
1: yeah for sure um i um i love it i love it it's um it's super rewarding i um i'm learning a lot every day both from the things we do right and the things we do wrong and what happens in space um i'm excited that it's like a a role that does have a finite amount of time too like we talked about for all those reasons i would have never guessed or expected that would be how it would go but i i kind of um i think that's a cool unique element and um yeah, I love it. It's been so fun. And and honestly, even I knew it was gonna be wild when I came in. I didn't know how wild it was gonna be, but to be at like an, an ADHD operator that loves this space, I mean, doesn't get any better. Checks all the boxes.
0: Finite amount of time. Okay, so we'll prepare the story. Uh, Ryan Wyatt says he's leaving Polygon very soon.
1: Look, man, if that thing's if my wife's <laughs> either gonna pull me off or it'll be decentralized. One of the two is gonna happen, all right? Nice. Nice, uh, awesome talking to you, Ryan. Thanks so
0: much for, for joining the pod, and we'll have to have you back on uh, soon when when there are updates to share. I'm sure there will be as you guys are. I love it. Pass. Thank you for having me, guys. That's our show today. Thanks for listening. GM is a Decrypt podcast co-hosted by Matthew Deemer, me, Dan Roberts, Stacey Elliot, Stephen Graves, Andrew Hayward, and Kate Irwin, and produced by Zach Edelman. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you podcast. And as always, you can get more info on our website, including video with our interview guests. Head to decrypt.co.
2: GM.